Praise the Lord. Can we say praise the Lord this morning? Amen. Amen. The Lord is so good. He's worthy to be praised. And uh, mothers, happy Mother's Day. Not only to the ones who physically gave birth, but to the spiritual mums. We don't want to forget the spiritual mums and leave them out because you mothers have planted seeds, you've watered seeds, you have birthed children into the kingdom. And so we honor you here this morning and all the, uh, all the mothers watching online. Happy Mother's Day. And uh, for for those that are here this morning, we do have a little keepsake for you at the end of the service. We want to honor you with something, so don't forget to pick that up right at the end of the service. Praise God. The Lord is good. Hallelujah. And um, of course, you know, everybody has a mother, had a mother, is married to a mother, or knows a mother. And um, this morning, this message that I'm going to share, it's called, uh, I've entitled it, Two Women and a Baby. Two Women and a Baby. And your mind might be thinking, hmm, what story is that? Well, I think, there you go. You see a little picture that might end up giving you a clue. And uh, so we are going to turn to Exodus chapter 2. Um, actually, we're going to start with Exodus chapter 1. It's the last verse, verse 22, and then we're going to go into chapter 2. And we are going to talk about these special two women. Praise God. So we'll start with chapter 1, verse 22. So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as a wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds, reeds rather, by the riverbank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. And then the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river, and her maidens walked along the riverside. And when she saw the ark among the reeds, she sent her maids to get it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. And then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call a nurse for you from the Hebrew women that she may nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the maiden went and called the child's mother. Then Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. And so the woman took the child and nursed him, and the child grew, and she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. So she called his name Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Hallelujah. Father, we just pray a special blessing upon your word this morning. We thank you, Father, that your word never returns void. And so we ask, oh God, that you would just speak to our hearts. We thank you, Father, and we commit this word to you in Jesus' precious name. 
Amen, amen. So this is a story about Moses. Moses, and what's really interesting about this story is that he had two mothers. Most of us are blessed with one mother, but he had two mothers. He had a real mother, and he had an adoptive mother. And what's interesting to see is that both mothers were really good mothers. And so for the, some of those spiritual mothers that are out here this morning, this is maybe for you because you are adoptive mothers too. You have birthed children into the kingdom, little ones, adults, and so we pray that you will see something for you in this story also. And so as we look at this particular scripture, we will see that Names are not mentioned here in Exodus chapter 2. We don't know Moses' parents' names at this particular point, but it's always about cross-referencing. So we're going to look at Exodus chapter 6. Exodus chapter 6, verse 20. So we're going to be able to identify who are Moses' parents. Exodus 6.20 says, Now Amram, which was Moses' father took for himself Jochebed, his father's sister as wife. Hold on right here. Did you read that? He took his father's sister as wife. <laughs> this was an aunt and nephew relationship. Kind of a little odd, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But that's, you know, we would imagine maybe Jochebed was a little younger. We don't know. But that was the situation. Moses' father married his aunt, <laughs> and she bore him Aaron and Moses, and the years of the life of Amram were 137. Now, notice it says she bore Aaron and Moses. Now, for many of us, very often, we've thought that Moses was the older one. How many of you always thought Moses was the older one? But you know what? It always lists who comes first. So Aaron came first, and how do we know that? Another cross-reference. It's always about cross-references. Exodus 7-7. Seven, seven. Exodus 7-7. Seven, seven. It says, and Moses was 80 years old, and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. So Aaron was, in fact, three years older than Moses. Isn't it interesting, the little tidbits that you can pick up in Scripture that you kind of never knew before? And we almost assumed that Aaron was younger. Why? Because we never saw him in the beginning of the story in Exodus 2. So we have Jochebed. She's finally identified. Moses' real mother. And we have Pharaoh's daughter, which was unnamed. But, you know, Moses was blessed with two very good mothers. And we're going to look at some of the characteristics of these mothers this morning and what made them good moms. So we'll go back to Exodus 2, verse 1, which says, And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So we see that it's all within the family, this priestly tribe of Levi. And there it wasn't identified that it was aunt and, and nephew, but they were both from the house of Levi. And you know what? Back then, God allowed these things to take place. We know with Adam and Eve, they had children. So obviously, they, these children had to have had children with one another in order for the world to procreate. Then we think of 
We think of Jacob. He went to, when he was running away from Esau, he went to see his uncle Laban, and he fell in love with Rachel, and then he asked Laban for Rachel's hand in marriage, and then Laban tricked him to marry Leah. Long story short, Jacob married his first cousins. <laughs> kind of a little strange in our minds, right? But that's how it was back then. And then in Genesis, we know in Genesis, of course, with Abraham. Abraham, when he was dealing with Abimelech, he lied and said Sarah was his sister. But then it says in Genesis 20, verse 12, Abraham confessed. He said, but indeed, she is truly my sister, she is the daughter of my father and not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. So <laughs> Abraham was married to his half-sister. And so it, kind of interesting, isn't it, when you think about it? But there was a reason for that. Back then, they had to marry and keep, keep their families together serving God. They didn't want to look for wives in other nations that served pagans. And so there was a reason for that. Today, we kind of say, ooh, that's kind of a little odd. But that's what it was. And so what do we see in this story? Just based from that particular verse, the first characteristic of Jochebed that made her a good mother was that she married the right person. She, now, you might think, ooh, that was her nephew. But hold on. She could have married anybody else, but she kept it within the family. And this is the important thing for us to realize. We need to marry within the family of God. Young people, I'm telling you, the young people out there are always looking for people out there in the world, and it's all about love. Oh, he loves me. She loves me. And it's all about that. But no, what does 2 Corinthians 6.14 say? Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so they chose, they kept it within the house of Levi. Why? Because they built the foundation on the Lord. You have to build your house on the rock. The rock. And that's what they did. And you know, 35 years of marriage with my husband, you know, we've seen time and time again so many people, you know, they want to get married and, and they look for other people out there. And sometimes they'll even bring these people to church and it's like, well, they come to church. And then when they do get married, all of a sudden, divorce after divorce. Why? Because that person didn't truly serve the Lord. That person didn't fully commit themselves to God. That person didn't love the Lord with all of their hearts. That person doesn't have fruit in their lives. And so they were deceived. How important it is to marry in the Lord. Yeah, you're going to have troubles. Who doesn't have troubles? But you know what? You work it out because God is your foundation. And so that's what made her a good mother. She put God first, faith first. You marry right. You do the right thing. And that's what she did. God was her foundation. Verse 2 says, so the woman conceived and bore a son. So when she saw he was beautiful, he was a beautiful child, she laid, or sorry, she hid him for three months. Let me tell you something. She had complete trust in the Lord, her and her husband. They trusted God. 
If you remember the first verse that we read from chapter one, Pharaoh issued a decree. What did he say? That all the male babies would be tossed in the Nile River and the female ones would be allowed to live. And so there she was, complete trust in God. So they conceived after this happened. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine what went through their minds or anybody who was pregnant during that time? Am I going to have a boy or a girl? If the girl, if it's a girl, she lives. If it's a boy, he dies. Imagine living with that kind of fear. But they trusted the Lord. They had that baby anyway. You know, so often today, sometimes just over a course of time, speaking to people, younger people, who are worried with what's going on in the world. We see, of course, there's COVID. We see our economic situation going downhill. We, we, we know of wars, rumors of wars, the threat of nuclear war. We see the family breaking down. The definition of family is completely different nowadays. It's scary. We see mental health issues. We see religion is becoming amalgamated where there's Christianity and Islam. So there's Chrislam, one world religion, all this kind of stuff. And a lot of young people are stressed and they say, I don't want to have a child in this world. You ever had a conversation like that? Where a lot of young people are afraid of that. But you know what? Think about what Jochebed and Amram went through the kind of affliction the Israelites went through. They were under bondage, under slavery for 400 years. And on top of that, Pharaoh says, you're going to have a baby? Well, we're going to kill your son if it's a male. We're going to kill your son. Can you imagine that? Imagine living if today our government said, you know what? You have a son, we're going to terminate him. Would you have fear in your life? Would you be afraid to have a child? Talk about fear as it is right now. Imagine the fear. But Jochebed and Amram, they had faith in God. They stood strong. They trusted him. They put him first. And so we see that with Jochebed. She had faith she put him first, one of the great characteristics of Jochebed. And then, of course, we see what else did she offer? She offered protection. A good mother protects her child. Amen? Amen. And so in Exodus 2, it says she hid him three months. Three months. Now, let me tell you something. The other Hebrew women probably wanted to try to hide their babies. There was no question. Babies were thrown into the Nile River. Now, you had to just picture this, obviously. Uh, you know, when a woman became pregnant, you can't really hide a, a woman, a pregnant woman in the crowd. She kind of sticks out, mind the pun. But, but the Egyptian soldiers were watching. As soon as they saw a pregnant woman, oh, I'm going to find out where she lives. And they would watch, and they would follow her. And when she gave birth, if it was a girl, the girl survived. But if it was a boy, all of a sudden... There would be a mother screaming at the top of her lungs as that baby was snatched from her arms. You could only imagine how difficult it must have been to hide a baby. So she was probably in hiding at one particular point. They didn't know that she was pregnant. And, uh, you know, if it was an older child, it's always easier hiding an older child. 
An older child, you can say, shh, be quiet, quiet. You know, you can do that. And uh, it's kind of interesting. I think of when my husband and I actually lived in, in Mississauga a couple of years back. We had a, a wonderful little, you know, we had this Muslim family living right next to us. And um, they had two sons, and they were about 20 years old, and they'd come and go and come and go. And two years later, after we moved there, all of a sudden I see an 11-year-old emerging from the house. I thought, where did this boy come from? They actually had a third son. He was hiding in the house. Like, he was actually living there, but we never saw him. It's easy hiding an older child. But with a baby, it's not easy. You know, many of you, of course, watch my husband's daily devotions. And uh, I've had it posed to me sometimes as, oh, does Amanda live at the house? Because we hear a baby sometimes. <laughs> and um, Amanda, she'll come over twice a week because she works virtually from her computer. And she'll be there at 7.30. And we all kind of pitch in helping hands. We try to help out with little Ava, who's 15 months old and all over the place, of course. So the moment it approaches 8 o'clock, we try to snatch her up. And all of a sudden, you hear, ah! <laughs> or she giggles, or she's making some sound in the background. And listen, this is only for 25 or 30 minutes of the devotion, and you'll hear her several times. So you can imagine how difficult it was to hide a baby for three months who cries and whimpers. Very difficult. God must have done something supernatural. God was at work. What does Hebrews 11, 23 say? Look at this, a powerful verse. Powerful verse. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's command. Look, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden three months. This wasn't Moses' faith. This was Jochebed's faith, Amram's faith. They are listed in the faith chapter. Jochebed is right here in the faith chapter. She's not named, but she's there. Why? Because they had faith. They trusted God. God, you're going to protect this baby. And you know what's really amazing about this verse, too? They were not afraid of the king's command. They trusted the Lord wholeheartedly. Lord, you're going to silence this baby. You're going to take care of him. And they trusted him that God would perform it. Not afraid of the king's command. Not afraid of the government. Oh my goodness, how many people are afraid of what's happening in the government and the stuff that they try to uh, pass. Everybody's afraid. Why so much fear? You know, brothers and sisters, as Christians, we should not have that kind of fear in our lives. Fear is the opposite of faith. Completely opposite. Why do we fear when God is in control. And so we see here with Jochebed and Amram, they did not fear the Lord's command. Don't fear what's going on in the world. If a nuclear war happens, we're with Jesus. <laughs> Why do we have to fear? Why do we have to fear? This earth is just temporary. We have our eyes fixed on the prize. And that's what matters. So why are we so fearful constantly? They were not fearful. 
They trusted God. Praise the Lord. They trusted God. And you know, the world with, with Moses at that time was out to destroy him. Out to destroy him. It's no different than today. Satan wants to destroy babies. We know that with abortion, even in the animal kingdom. You know, I've watched so many animal documentaries over 35 years. You're coming out of... <laughs> and, and sometimes it's like, honey, like change the channel. You'll see, you'll see these cheetahs chasing after the little baby gazelle or all of a sudden a bunch of lionesses. They're running after that little baby elephant that was lagging behind. And it's, oh, and it's just heart-wrenching. But the enemy is like that. He's going to go after the ones who are lame, the ones who are weak, the ones who can't make it, but especially babies. Babies, that's part of his agenda. And today, of course, how much do we need to protect our children, brothers and sisters? we got to protect our children. Sometimes we think, you know, the first couple of years, it doesn't really matter. You know, they're growing up. No, you start from the beginning. You protect them. You protect them physically, you protect them spiritually. Are you hiding your children under the shadow of the Almighty? You should be. You should be. And so we see that. Protection. That's the kind of characteristic Jochebed had. And then, of course, you know, she had love. 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 That big word, love. A good mother chooses life and wants it for her child. Exodus 2.3 says, but when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in and laid it in the reeds by the riverbank. Wow. That was not an easy decision for her to watch over this child. And because before you know it, this was a decree. You got to realize they were breaking the law. And hiding this baby in their house all of a sudden put all of them at risk. It put them as parents at risk. It put Miriam at risk. It put Aaron at risk. They could have, they could have all been killed because that's what the decree was. But you know what? She loved this child. She wanted to see this baby live. And she loved this child so much, even if it meant that she couldn't have this child anymore and give him up. Oh, talk about heart-wrenching, giving her child up completely. There's no greater love. There's no greater love. Everybody knows that a mother's earthly love is the closest thing to compare to God's love for us. And here was Jochebed. She was ready to give up her son Little did she know he was going to be the deliverer of Israel, a type of Christ. God gave up his son who was going to be the deliverer for humanity, giving up sacrifice. That is true love. Oh, my goodness. Imagine some of you moms out there just saying, you know what? I'm not going to have my child anymore. Gone. Difficult. You could only imagine. But she had to let go. Pastor Giulio talked about letting go last Sunday. Letting go, letting go. They're not our children. Remember that. They've just been entrusted to us. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He, he who loves children more than me 
is not worthy of me. Nothing should come first. God should be first. And so we give our children. It doesn't matter what the state is, what's going on in their lives, and you're trying to, you're trying to direct them and sometimes trying to be controlling, but no, God's saying, let go. Let go. That child's mine. And so, love. She had love. And then, of course, she had wisdom. A good mother has wisdom. And this is what I really like about Jochebed. We're going to see that she planned ahead. How was she going to save her baby? If you were in this predicament, oh my goodness, what would be your game plan? They're about to kill your... What, what would you do? Think about it. What would you do? Well, let's see what she did. Verses 3 and 4. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark and daubed it with asphalt and pitch and put the child in and laid it in the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done with him. Oh my goodness, what would you do if you had to save your baby? Maybe you tried to give that baby to somebody else to take care of them. But you know what? There was nobody to take care of this child because they were killing Hebrew males all over the place. What did she do? And it's so interesting. She decides to build a little basket and put the baby in it and put it in the river, in the same river that these babies were being thrown in. Imagine that. Is that a plan? <laughs> Would you have come up with something like that? Think about it. And, you know, it's, it's so interesting because in our own lives, you know what? What Satan means for evil, God means it for good. And so you might be in the river of death in your own life, and you don't even know how you're staying afloat, and God has put you in this ark, and he's directing you, but he's going to save you. He's going to look after you. He's going to take care of you. And so that's what we see here in this story. There's little Moses in this ark in crocodile-infested waters on top of that. Nowadays, I mean, I looked it up. There's not many crocodiles in the, in the Nile River anymore. Um, they kind of congregated elsewhere to some lake, apparently. But, but back then, there were lots of crocodiles. And crocodiles don't usually spend most of their time in the middle of the river. Where are they? They are by the shoreline where the, the animals will come and drink. And, you know, so they're waiting. So they were by the reeds. Would you put your baby in the reeds where the crocodiles are? Think about that. Incredible. Incredible. She just didn't say, well, you know what? I don't know what to do. I'm going to put this baby in a basket and let's just send him out on the river and whatever happens. <laughs> she didn't do that. She didn't just say, let's just see what happens. You know, we live in this generation that, that everybody says, oh, whatever happens. Oh, let's just see. Oh, you know, I don't care. Just day by day, let's just see what happens. And, and there's no planning, there's no direction. My people perish for a lack of vision, nothing. And you know, sometimes even in relationships, oh, whatever happens, okay, I just got married, but oh yeah, there's problems, so we're just gonna move on to the next person. Oh, my friend, you know, this, it's not working out with this friend, so you know, I'm just gonna be friends with another one of the people that are 3,000 people on my Instagram, friends. This careless attitude, whatever, 
whatever. She didn't push that baby in the reeds and say whatever. Let's see what happens. There was some serious planning here. There was some serious wisdom here, God-given wisdom. There was a plan. There was a plan. God always has a plan. When you put God first, he's going to show you. He's going to direct you. He's going to lead you, even if it sounds crazy. Risks. It was a risky plan. Putting this baby in the reeds where the crocodiles are. And of course, you know, this was the princess, Pharaoh's daughter. I'm sure there were probably Egyptian soldiers not far off patrolling, trying to protect her also. Anything could have happened. Anything. But faith takes risks. That's what faith is all about. Faith isn't an easy thing. Faith is risky. You are putting your trust in God. And that's what she did. She had wisdom. Proverbs 4. Proverbs 4, verses 5 to 7. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And all you're getting, get understanding. Wisdom, looking ahead, planning, planning. And so she puts this baby in the reeds, in these, in these crocodile-infested waters. What is she expecting? You see, faith has to be expecting something. She was expecting. So when you put your faith in God, are you expecting? Are you believing or are you being double-minded and tossed? Well, I don't know. Are you trusting him? She was expecting. Now, she couldn't have expected another Hebrew person to come by and save her baby because that wasn't going to work. Pharaoh wouldn't be able to save her son, because obviously he put out this decree, but she was expecting a certain someone with influence, someone with power, someone who had a mother's heart. She knew something, and only one person that could be, which was Pharaoh's daughter, she knew. How did she know? It was all God. God spoke to her. And that's what happens when you have a relationship with the Lord. The Lord will lead you. He will guide you, even with things that seem absolutely impossible. It seems so mindless to, to send out this little, this little basket among, amongst the reeds. Again, we wouldn't have done that. But the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. Steps, steps. You know, so often we see people... We see people at a standstill in life. You know, oh, I don't know, whatever's going to happen. I know I'm 38 years old, living at home, and yeah, still waiting for my first job, you know? And let's just see what happens. No, there's steps, there's steps, 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 step of faith, moving forward, progress, progress. 
And here's this woman of God. You know what? She was probably praying during those three months, Lord, protect my baby. Keep him, keep him quiet, which he was quiet. But then, of course, she couldn't keep him anymore. But that was her heart. Lord, somehow save my baby. I don't know how. I don't know how this is going to happen, but I know you're going to do this somehow because I trust in you. This seems very impossible. All the other babies are being tossed in the river, but I know, I know, I trust in you in this impossible situation. Wow. And so what's the answer that comes? The answer that comes is give your baby to your number one enemy, the Egyptians. Wow. Putting your baby in the Egyptians' hands. Really? Is that the answer? You can only imagine her heart. What's going to become out of this? Wow. If you were pregnant and this was something that was happening today, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do with my child and, and, and what am I going to do? My baby, if the same decree were here today, You'd say, Lord, what am I going to do? And all of a sudden, he gives you an answer. He says, you know what? See that Satanist family over there? Why don't you give your baby to them? They kill babies. Pharaoh's family killed babies. Imagine that. What would you do? As a mother, your heart would cringe into, into just something so small. You wouldn't be able to believe it and, and live with that. But you see, you would say to yourself, that's God's plan? That's God's plan is give this baby to the enemy? No, can't be. Can't be. Isn't God such a wonderful God? He, he, you know what? His plan. His plan. He says, shout. Everybody let out a big shout. And the walls of Jericho came down. That was God's plan. When an army was needed, he said, you know what? We'll have some of you lap like dogs, and the rest of you just drink with your hands. That's how we're going to find out who's in the army. That's God's plan. Oh, a Philistine giant who's nine feet tall, and everybody's afraid of him, and they don't know what to do. Well, you know what? Here's this tiny little pebble. That's going to kill him. That's God's plan. Oh, you have leprosy. Well, you know, this is a beautiful river right here that everybody despises, the River Jordan. Yeah, you're going to go into this river and dip yourself, not once, Naaman, but seven times. That's God's plan. Sometimes it sounds crazy, but this is what it means to have faith. This is what it means to trust in him. Trust in him. And 1 Corinthians 1.25 says, because the foolishness of God is wiser than man. Hallelujah. When God has a plan, when God has a plan, you need to trust him. You need to trust him. Even if it meant giving the son over to Egypt, Egypt, which represented sin. And so here was Jochebed, a mother of faith, a mother of courage. You can only imagine the pain in her heart to give this baby over. But talk about sacrifice. Some women would probably say, you know what, before I ever give my child over to the enemy or give my child over to a satanic family, let's just say, I'd rather see that child dead. Some would do that. How many of you remember 1 Kings 3? 
that particular story. Two women, two women and two babies in that particular story. They're both living under the same roof and they're sleeping at night. And one woman, she rolls over and she smothers her child and he's dead. And then while the other woman was still sleeping, she decided, okay, I'm going to take this baby. I'm going to take it as my own. And when the other woman woke up in the morning, all of a sudden there was a lot of arguing going on. No, this is my baby. No, this is my baby. No, this is my baby. So what did they do? They went straight to the wisest man that ever lived aside from Jesus. They went to King Solomon to settle that dispute. And he says, yeah, I know the answer. Bring me a sword. We're going to divide this baby in half, half for you and half for you. That sounds great, doesn't it? And the wicked woman's like, yeah, that's a plan. <laughs> and the real mother, the real mother, she said, and she probably thought this is the most wicked woman, but you know what? I'd rather have my child live and have that baby cut in half. And then, of course, Solomon knew who the real mother was. And so, you know what, Jochebed probably maybe would have said, you know, give the baby to the Egyptians. <laughs> That's a really tough one, but I'd rather have my child live than have that baby die. That baby had destiny. Yes, a good mother has wisdom. She had godly wisdom. Why? Because... She was of the tribe of Levi. She had God as foundation in her home. And she knew only Pharaoh's daughter could save him. She knew approximately the time of day when Pharaoh's daughter would come and take a bath in the water. And she set out Miriam to watch in the reeds. And then afterwards, Miriam made a suggestion, said, I know somebody that can nurse this baby for you. Planning, planning. Only God can accomplish such a plan. The grace of God answered her prayer. So much so that she was even paid to nurse this baby. Now, you got to understand back then, the Israelites, of course, they were under a lot of bondage, a lot of affliction. They were poor. On top of that, God blessed her and said, you know what? You're going to be paid on top of this. Wow. You could only imagine how Jochebed was so thrilled to have her little son back for that brief period of time. She had a limited amount of time to do something great, which we're going to talk about in a moment. But she had a limited amount of time. Limited time only. You know, you've seen that? Limited time. Guess what? We have a limited time only. And we need to seize the day. We need to seize each and every single day because every day counts an eternity. We don't know when our last breath is going to be. We don't know if we'll be here tomorrow. So how are you serving God today? What are you depositing into his kingdom? And so limited time only. She had this baby for just a little bit of time. And so what did she do? She taught Moses about the Lord. Now, today, when women nurse their babies, some nurse their babies for a couple of months, six months, a year, some go past a year. Back then, it was a little bit different. They would have children, maybe they would, they would wean their children maybe at three or four years old. 
Sounds different, but that's how it was. She had this baby for a specific amount of time. And so her wisdom, her godly wisdom, what did she do? What is the best thing that you can do for your children? Deposit in them spiritually. She was teaching him about Jehovah. She was teaching him what true worship was. She was teaching him about living right before the Lord. You know, she couldn't teach him from the Torah because... Moses wrote the Pentateuch, <laughs> so he actually wrote it, but she was teaching him, teaching him, telling him about the forefathers, telling him about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, telling him what she believed, telling him about her experiences, telling him that, you know what, if you ever run into trouble, you can always call God. She was instilling it so deep. She wanted him to know that he needed to have God in his life, the true and only God, remembering that God would care for him. And that's why, ladies and men, as fathers, we need to teach our children early. Sometimes we think, ah, you know, when they're a little older, they're going to learn. Uh-uh. The first years are crucial. They say by four, the ages of four or five, the character is developed. They have those beliefs ingrained deep down inside of them. And so did her faith come easily? No. Jochebed, Jochebed had to give up her baby twice. Once in the reeds, once again when she finally gave over her baby to Pharaoh's daughter when he lived in the palace. And, you know, I often think of my wonderful mother. My mother, she's 91 years old. And uh, this coming week, actually, my parents will be celebrating their 66th wedding anniversary, and God has kept them strong. Praise the Lord. And, and my mom, my, my earliest memories of her and... I would just always remember she'd be sitting by my bedside praying with me, praying. She instilled, I was very young, three, four years old, and I remember just lying on the bed, and there was mom, and she was praying. She always prayed with me, always. She taught me about God. She taught me he was real. And this other memory, one of my early memories that, that is always there, I remember one time I sat in the closet in my house and I thought, mom can't find me, dad can't find me, but I knew God knew where I was. And I remember thinking that at four years old, God knows I'm here. He knows even what I'm thinking. That's how real God was to me. And that was why, because of my mother. She instilled these things, even when I was in grade one or two. In school, I went to a Catholic school. Some of the kids would say, nah, I don't believe in God. What? I was just a little kid, huh? What do you mean you don't believe in God? And, and why? Because it was ingrained, 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 how important it is to deposit those seeds when they're young. And we don't know how long Moses stayed with Jochebed, but it was, a long, it was long enough for him to know and learn about the promises of God and understand about the Abrahamic covenant that, that, that God was one day going to multiply the Israelites as much as the sands of the sea and the stars in the sky. 
He understood these things. He knew that there were promises. He knew that they were in bondage. He knew that one day a deliverer was going to come. And so Jochebed put these things in Moses in those years. Those are the qualities of Jochebed. Now, let's look at Pharaoh's daughter, mother number two. And you're going to see some similarities. There's things that she has or had in her life that are somewhat similar to Jochebed. First of all, she had love. She had love. You know, not every woman loves children. We don't know what her situation was. She could have been a young maiden, not married. She could have been married and couldn't have children. We don't know what her situation was. But we see in, in Exodus chapter 2, verse 6, it tells us, and when she opened it, this was Pharaoh's daughter, opened the basket, she saw the child, and behold, the child, the baby wept. So she had compassion on him and said, this is one of the Hebrew children. Wow. She knew that this was a Hebrew child, and she had compassion. She felt sorry for him. Do you think that she didn't see a Hebrew child before? She did. Of course she did. But this was different. Why? Because God had placed this on her heart. She was not the same as her father. Now, most of us, you know, if somebody rang your doorbell and all of a sudden you opened the door and there was a little basket there with a cute little kitten, <laughs> you'd say, oh my goodness, a cute little kitten. And somebody just left it there for you. You'd probably, oh my goodness, should I have this kitten or not? And even some cat haters might say, wow, that's a cute little kitten. But you know what? To actually say, I'm going to keep this cat, you know, you'd have to think about it. You'd have to discuss it with the family. Do I really want this? Maybe yes, maybe no. Maybe I'm going to take this little cat down to an animal shelter. This was a baby in a basket, very interesting. This is a lifelong commitment, a greater responsibility. And we know God had put that on Pharaoh's daughter's heart. There was a divine reason. All of a sudden, she's, she's seen babies before, but this one tugged at her heartstrings. All of a sudden, she decides to have a lifelong commitment to this baby. And so much so that she went as far to say, you know what, okay, little girl, go get somebody to nurse this baby for me until I can have this. She didn't change her mind. She waited. Her love grew. She fell in love. This was love at first sight for, this, for Pharaoh's daughter. She loved Moses, a mother's love. Even though she was an adoptive mother, she loved Moses. She wanted Moses. And so we see that love, just like Jochebed. Another quality that we see here with, with the daughter was that she had protection. She protected Moses. She knew very well that this baby was a Hebrew baby. And her father, of course, had decreed that all Hebrew babies, the male ones, would die. Why? Because the males were a threat to the nation. And it was very easy to let this baby die. But she didn't. It's so interesting. And here was Pharaoh. He decreed that these males would die. And you know what? God later punished Egypt because of it. We all know the last plague of the 10 plagues was the firstborn of male of every household would die. It was because of that decision. 
And there was Pharaoh's daughter. She decided to choose life. She was going to go against her father. Think about that. What would they say? A Hebrew child in the palace? What would they say? This took a lot of courage. A lot of courage. And you know what? She lived to tell it. How do we know that? Well, Moses grew up in the palace. And it's kind of interesting because we, we all know the story of Esther. Esther, uh, King Xerxes, his first wife, Queen Vashti, well, you know, all of a sudden, no, I don't want to come out. She didn't want to listen to the king's command. And what happened to her? She was done away with. She was executed. Why? Because the king didn't want something to get around that women... He, he didn't want to see this example of what Vashti had done to be infiltrated with the women of that day. And so she was executed. And kings would do that all the time. They would kill their wives for no reason. They would do that. And so here was Pharaoh's daughter going against Pharaoh. What would they say? Talk about courage. She was a woman of strength. She protected Moses. What would the Egyptians say seeing this child in the palace? But she had a mother's heart. She protected him. She stood up. Brothers and sisters, how often do we stand up? We as Christians should be standing up taller and stronger than anybody out there in society. And sometimes we get so, I don't know, wimpy with our faith. We're afraid to tell people at work that we're Christians. We're afraid to stand up for righteousness. We need to be bold. We need to be strong. We need to stand up. Here was a woman who certainly was not Hebrew, but she stood up for what she believed in. How much more do we need to stand up? Stand up for the Lord. Be that voice that he's calling us to be. And so she stood up. She protected him. Another quality she had was wisdom, just like Jochebed, but ah, it was different wisdom. This was worldly wisdom. And she brought him up in the wisdom of the world in a way that Jochebed could have never done. We see in Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 7, it speaks of this in verses 21 to 22. But when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words. Notice he was mighty in words. Didn't he have a stuttering problem? How many of you remember that? But he was eloquent, mighty in words and deeds. And Moses, he was brought up in the palace. She made sure of it. She was a good mom. She made sure that he was going to be one smart little boy. She made sure that he was going to have the best teachers, the finest schools, the highest level of education. He was exposed to all the wisdom of the Egyptians. And she did everything in, in her power to give him that edge in worldly standards. And so we see, we see both these mothers. They loved Moses. They did everything to ensure that he 
would grow up with the advantage and be the kind of man that he needed to be. They were extraordinary mothers, and they had similar things that they gave Moses. They gave Moses love, protection, wisdom, but one thing was lacking that the Pharaoh's daughter couldn't give. Faith, faith. And that's what changed Moses' life. That was the missing link was faith. Listen, you can be a great mother, and there are a lot of great mothers out there, but without faith, it's meaningless because our lives here are just passing through. It's all about eternity. It's all about where we're going. It's not about where we're staying. That's what was missing was faith, faith. Hebrews 11, back to that. Verses 24 to 27. Again about Moses. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the approach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he looked to the reward. Are you looking to the reward? He looked to the reward. And by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Oh boy, he followed his, fo- his, his parents' footsteps. He followed Jochebed's jo- footsteps and Amram's footsteps, not being afraid of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And by faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch him. Wow. So what happened? Here's Moses. He grew up in the palace. He grew up with everything around him. And all of a sudden, we know that there was a turning point in Moses' life. What happened? As he grew older, all of a sudden, he sees one day, he sees, uh, he sees an Israelite being struck and beaten by an Egyptian. And he got so angry that he decided to kill this Egyptian. And then he had to flee for his life. The turning point. Very interesting. The turning point. But let me tell you something. People don't murder people overnight. How many of you know that? Sin just doesn't happen overnight. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. There's a reason for that. Why? Because it festers. When you go to bed angry, I remember my parents, they gave us that advice when just right before we got married. Mom, what kind of advice do you give? Don't go to bed angry. And there's a reason for that, because anger festers and turns into bitterness. And that's why some of us, we have such a difficulty with the bitterness that we go through. We, we hold on to that anger, and it's, it's, it's grown. It's snowballed. And then we become incapacitated. We're not really living the life that we should. Why? Because we got this cancer inside. And that bitterness turns into hate because you're thinking about it all the time and it's making you crazy. And then hate when it just gets worse and worse. Murder happens. Murder happens. 
What do you think was going on with Moses? Do you think he just killed him the spur of the moment? No, he didn't. There was something festering. There was something churning deep within. And what was it? What was it? Well, as he was growing up, he was remembering the words of Jochebed, which reminded him of who he was, what his heritage was, that he was part of the Israelites, and he was watching their afflictions. He was probably seeing from the palace. That wasn't the first time he saw an Israelite being beaten. He probably saw it many times and was like, why? Because he was remembering the words of his mother of who he actually was. And he was remembering, these are not my people. The Egyptians are not my people. And he was remembering, oh, the importance, the importance, the importance of telling a little child about the Lord. Train up a child the way he should go. And when he's old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. He didn't depart from it. He was told who he was, what the promises of God were. And yes, it manifested in a way that perhaps it shouldn't have happened in the sense that he murdered somebody, but he came to his senses. Why? Because he remembered the words of Jochebed, his mother. His mother, that foundation, the importance of faith. Yes, Pharaoh... Pharaoh's mother had supplied, supplied him with all the training, with all the education in the world. And, and, you know, Moses didn't need to complain about it. He had everything. He was living in a palace. Wow. He had everything. Most people would say, are you crazy, Moses? You're leaving the palace to go with these people? Are you crazy? How many of us, if we were living in a palace, would say, mm, I'm leaving this. I'm going to go back to my roots. How many? Moses could have had everything that he wanted, everything, and he forsook it all. And of course, Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes, when he looks at the end and he looks at all the advantages that man could have, wealth, education, power, success, in the end, he says, it's meaningless. It's meaningless. Listen, the things that you are pursuing in this life, they are meaningless. They are meaningless. Yeah, education's important. We want our kids to get an education, but in the end, God's not going to say, what's your education? What's your degree? He's not going to say that. He's going to say, how did you serve me? How did you love me? How did you love your neighbors? Meaningless. Ecclesiastes 12.8. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. This is the will of man. This is what we need to do. Fear God and keep his commandments. And here, two of, of the Bible's greatest people, Moses and Solomon, understood. They had it all. And they realized it means nothing. So brothers and sisters, what are you chasing after today? What are you chasing after? What's eating your time? What's eating your time? What are you spending time with? Is it depositing into eternity? Do you realize one day on, here on earth is like a million, trillion, gazillion days in eternity? So if you waste that day, you've wasted part of your eternity. How important it is for us to seize the day 
seize the day, having it all. And here we see society today. Oh, my goodness, they look and they glamorize all these Hollywood actors. Oh, wow, look how beautiful they are. They're so beautiful. Oh, she's so beautiful. He's so Wow. And they're married. Wow. Wow. Well, you know what? Their beauty doesn't get them anywhere after eight or nine times of marriage. Divorce after divorce. They seem to have all the wealth. Oh, my gosh. Look at the beautiful mansions. The lives of the rich and famous. Wow. Look what they have. Big deal. It's meaningless. It is meaningless. And you look at these Hollywood people and everybody idolizes them and says, wow, I want to be just like them. And you know what? They have the most divorces, most suicides, alcoholism, depression. They're lost beyond lost. And this is what we want. This is what we aspire to. Having stuff, it's meaningless. Moses understood that. Because only God could fulfill the void in his heart. He had that turning point. He had that turning point when he became of age. And once only did he turn to God, his true destiny began. And God promoted him higher than he would have ever been in Egypt as a leader. God promoted him. How many of us are still in Egypt we're looking at all the things that the world has to offer. But when Moses became of age and was mature, we need to become of age. I'm not talking an earthly age. We need to become of age and maturity and understand what life is all about. Some young people might even be watching online. Some young people here, you might be, you might be just coming to church because it's Mother's Day and you want to honor your mother. Do you know how much your mother loves you and has been praying for you and wants to see you come to the Lord? It's time to get out of Egypt and leave Egypt and grasp the true riches of God. Because when you're going to stand before the Lord in eternity, he's not going to say, what do you have? He's going to say, how did you serve me? It's time. It's time. It's enough about the whatever life. Yeah, just going through life. Oh, no, you don't know when God is going to call you home. You don't know when God's going to say, okay, time's up. The hourglass is done. You don't know. Be ready, young people. Your mother has been crying out for you. Perhaps a spiritual mother has been crying out for you. It's time. It's time. We see here in conclusion, two mothers. And certainly they both gave the very best that they could to Moses. But Jochebed gave faith. 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 She never knew when he was a baby the kind of man he was going to be. She gave him up. The true sacrifice, she gave him up. But I'm sure she was praying behind the scenes. Oh, yes, we're going to go through pains. Our children might be in Egypt. And there might be a lot of tears. But one day, he's going to come home and come to his senses or her senses. 
when you pray, when you seek God. And Jochebed was perhaps rated there as one of the amazing mothers in the Bible. You know what her name means? Usually I like to start off with, from the beginning, what her name, or a woman of God in the Bible, what her name means, but her name means God's glory. That's what it means. Jochebed means God's glory. Isn't that amazing? And you know what? She lived up to her name. She saw God's glory. How did she see God's glory? Moses. Moses became the deliverer of Israel. Her son, her oldest son, became the first high priest. God's glory. Miriam was a worshiper. God's glory. Three spiritual giants God raised through Jochebed. Oh, my goodness. Who knows who you are raising? Who knows? But are you praying? Are you seeking God? Yes, you can give them the wisdom, the love, and the protection, but faith matters. What is the conclusion of this entire sermon? I think, you know, if she had to write a verse, if Jochebed had to write a verse on her deathbed, it would be this one. And it's actually found in 1 John 1, 4. And I love this verse. I have no greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. No greater joy than to hear my children walk in truth. Praise God. Praise God. And I know that the women here this morning and those watching online, that bears witness in your hearts. It's not about your son's or your daughter's education or who they're going to marry, although these decisions are important. They're secondary. Does my child serve the Lord? Does my child serve the Lord? And that's how you're going to see God's glory. God's glory. God's glory. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God.